Welcome to episode 24 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today we are continuing in our story of Mary Magdalene. We started her story in episode 23, which was last week, and we've been in this series about women of the Bible, and I'm really excited to continue to talk about Mary Magdalene today. So this is the part where Mary is actually at the resurrection. She experiences Jesus. She experiences angels. If you want to know more about Mary's story, I talk more about her background and a little bit more about what her name might mean in episode 23. So you can check that one out. And I also cover the verses that happened before the ones that I'm going to discuss today. I also apologize. Uh, My neighbor's kids are having a party in the backyard next to where I'm recording. So if you hear them, that is what's going on. Uh, Hopefully it's not too disruptive and you're able to listen to the podcast enjoyably. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial, welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Katherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Lord, thank you so much that you always meet us exactly where we're at. You are present always everywhere, and I pray that we would experience you in miraculous ways, and I pray that you would move the heart of every single woman who is listening right now and myself, Lord. I pray that we'd be moved to get to know you better, to learn more about you, to see the way that you are able to use women and how much you love them and care for them. And I pray that we would not think you are limited by anything, anything ever. And I pray that we would learn from you and be convicted by the Holy Spirit and be moved to learn new and beautiful things about you all the time. I pray that you would speak through me, that it would be your words and not mine that come through and that make impact. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Mary Magdalene, before the passages I'm about to read, was actually at the crucifixion of Jesus, and she followed his body to where it would be buried, and that was going to be in the tomb, which leads her to coming back to that tomb and actually seeing Jesus, being the first one to see him after he's resurrected. Now, we will start with her coming back to the tomb with most of these passages. So just know that all of the crucifixion and the death of Jesus has already happened, and his body has been brought back to the tomb. And then that's where Mary is coming in here. I also wanted to give a caveat here that in all four of the gospels, Mary Magdalene is actually mentioned. So that's why I'm going to read from all four gospels. But you're going to notice as I read all four gospel accounts of the resurrection, that each is kind of a slightly different account. And I don't want to spend time really diving into exactly what happened in the order everything happened and how to reconcile these different passages. 
that is beyond the scope of what I'm trying to do in this episode, so if you're looking for that, this is not the right place for that. What I am going to do is read each of the accounts as they are, I'm going to take them as they are, and then I'm going to draw meaning from them as a whole to see what we can learn about Mary Magdalene, and then of course what we can learn about Jesus. I also want to do a note that Mary is clearly the first of Jesus's disciples to discover his missing body and to encounter him post-resurrection. So I really love that, and that's one of the powerful things about Mary's story. So let's get right into scripture. So this is from Matthew 28. That will be our first passage, and it starts in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come. See where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. So that's the account from Matthew. From Mark 16, starting in verse one, we have Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they look up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Okay, the weird caveat to Mark, (laughs) that's verse 8, and in some ancient manuscripts, that is actually the end of Mark. However, some manuscripts add a short ending of Mark and some manuscripts added a longer ending of Mark. And when I looked into it, most of the old manuscripts include the longer ending of Mark, but not the oldest two, I think, manuscripts. So take that for what you will. I'm going to read the short edition and then the longer edition. So if you see the short edition, it says after verse eight, Then they briefly reported all of this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. 
Now that's the short ending. There's a longer ending that starts with verse 9. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Okay, gospel number three, we've got Luke. We're going to read the last two verses of Luke 23 and then begin back in Luke 24. All right, so Luke 23, verse 55. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as was required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home, wondering what had happened. Lastly, we've got John 20. Starting in verse 1, early on Sunday morning, when it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Then she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. 
Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. All right, so that is all four gospel accounts of Mary Magdalene experiencing the resurrected Jesus. And as I said, I know that there are differences amongst the passages. I'm not going to get into that. I do think that a lot of them overlap on the things that we can find that are true about Mary Magdalene. So what are her attributes? I think first, she pursued Jesus even when hope seemed lost. She had seen her Lord and Savior crucified. She had seen him hung on a cross and she watched him die. And then after that moment, she could have given up on him. She could have given up on him when he was on the cross dying. She could have given up on him once he actually died. She could have thought to herself, wow, I was following this guy and he, he died. Now what? She could have just given up on him and walked away. The accounts, none of the accounts say that she did that. The accounts say instead that she followed where his body was going to be buried. She wanted to find his tomb. She took the time after the incredibly heartbreaking, heart-wrenching events at the cross. And she had a desire to anoint his body for burial. In Mark 16, verse 1, it says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. They fully planned to anoint his body for burial, even though he appeared to be permanently dead. And of course, he was not permanently dead. He was going to be resurrected. They didn't know that. They didn't know the story and how it was going to go. In Luke 24, verse 8, after the angels had told the women about how Jesus was crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. In verse 8, it says, Then they remembered that he had said this. It doesn't seem to me that they knew or remembered before that point that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. They did all this service for him, following his body, finding where it would be, getting it ready for burial. They did all of that, not knowing that Jesus was going to rise or not remembering that Jesus was going to rise. They pursued him. She pursued him even when hope seemed lost, even when many of his disciples had already abandoned him, even when many people thought that this was the end of the story. They kept the faith. They kept showing how much they loved Jesus and how devoted and how worthy they thought he was, even in death, even in tragedy, even in a hopeless looking situation. Secondly, She did not let her fear stop her from being obedient. I I just want to say on like kind of a sassy note here that I really like how the guards in Matthew fainted. There's the earthquake that goes on and then the angel of the Lord comes and the guards are freaked out or something. They faint. So they faint, but the women don't, which is so interesting. You know, Mary, she, she keeps consciousness, but it does say that the women were scared, right? When Mary heard from the angel that Jesus had lived, it says in Matthew 28, verse 8, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. So they were filled with fear. They were freaked out. I don't know what angels look like. I don't know if it was that he suddenly appeared or the earthquake or what, but they were freaked out. Okay. Just because they didn't faint didn't mean that they weren't 
scared or frightened by the events that had just happened. And so even though they were frightened, they also at the angel's words were filled with great joy and they were obedient to do what the angel had told them to do. They went to give the disciples the angel's message as the angel had told them to do. The women were afraid, but they also had this joy to complete the work that the Lord had given them to do, that the angel commanded them as a message from God to do. And they decided to be obedient even when they were afraid. And I think that is so powerful because when we are called or told to do something, when we read something in the Bible that's challenging to our faith and hard to be obedient to, or that scares us, it's so encouraging to to see these passages where people were afraid, but they did what they were asked to do anyways. They were obedient. So powerful. Third, she worshiped Jesus. Mary's response to Jesus is so pure and so beautiful, just unadulterated joy when she sees him. When she sees him, she runs to him. She falls at his feet and she clings to him. And I think that this is just a gorgeous, beautiful reaction to seeing her Lord. And I wonder too, if this would be my reaction to seeing him. And then I remember that he's accessible all the time. Jesus doesn't hide from us. God does not hide his presence. He's always there around us, near us. Just to give you the reference from scripture, it's Matthew 28 verses 9 and 10. And as they went, Jesus met with them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So she worshipped Jesus. She was at his feet. And it's so interesting to me that Jesus, in response, gives her an order. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. He gives Mary a job to do, and she does that job, which leads us to point number four. She was the first witness to the resurrected Christ. In every version, she was at the tomb, in all four of the Gospels. And if we count Mark, in three of the versions, she encounters Jesus. And she's the first one to see the the resurrected Christ. I think there is so much that we can learn from that, knowing that Jesus chose Mary, a woman who had previously been possessed by seven different demons and a woman who followed him, a woman who didn't abandon him, a woman who maybe would have been cast out by the rest of society because of the fact that she had previously been filled with demons. He chooses her anyways. And I love that about Jesus. Now, I was unable to verify whether women during this time could be witnesses in court or not. I've heard a lot of pastors mention that women during this time could not be witnesses in court. So that was that was something that was especially significant that Jesus had called her as uh, his first witness to his resurrection, even though she was a woman, because women at the time were not able to be witnesses in a legal sense. I was not able to verify whether that was true or not. I didn't see anything definitive online. In fact, I saw some things that said one thing, some things that said another thing. So because I wasn't able to verify that, I am going to set that point aside. What we do know is that nobody saw Jesus resurrected before her, although it seems in some accounts that other women were there as well. And in the book of John chapter 20, I really love the intimacy of that account where she's 
clearly mistaking Jesus. She thinks he's the gardener. She's just trying to find where Jesus is. And Jesus says to her, he calls her Mary. And in that one word, some versions I've seen it woman, some versions Mary, but in that one word, she recognizes him. She calls him teacher, Rabboni. And that intimacy that they have together is such a beautiful scene. It's so lovely to see how close women were to Jesus. And they had such a close student-teacher relationship. Jesus is her teacher, and she is his devoted disciple. And he loves her, and he gives her a calling and a purpose in this moment. Now, and most importantly, what do these verses about Mary Magdalene actually tell us about Jesus? Well, first and foremost, Jesus defeated death by rising. In the resurrection, he defeats death by rising three days after he had died, after he had taken upon the sins of the world upon himself, he comes back and defeats death. Where is the sting of death? It is no more because Jesus has already conquered it. We will not, as believers of Jesus, experience a permanent death. When our earthly bodies die, we will be with him fully, purely, and it will be lovely. Secondly, Jesus loved Mary. As I was just saying a few minutes ago, Jesus chose to appear to her. He calls her and she responds to him, teacher. She's his disciple. He calls her by name or by woman or whatever, but something about the way he said that, something about that interaction enabled her to recognize the teacher, the one she had spent so much time with, the one that she had forsaken her future or whatever else she might have done with her newfound freedom after having the seven demons leave her at the call of Jesus. Here she is giving up her whole life to follow him because she sees that he is worthy of that. She, he is worthy of her full devotion, and he loved Mary, and Mary loved him. Third, we can see that Jesus chose women as his first witnesses. And I don't know, friends, why he does this. I do not pretend to know Jesus's reasoning for everything. Unless it says it in scripture, I, I don't know the reasons. It Maybe it was because they were the only ones who came to prepare his body. Maybe it was just literally they were there. I don't know if that's really that strong of an argument since some of the gospels say that Peter and John also came. You know, maybe it was he chose them because he knew they would be faithful witnesses. Maybe it was for a reason I will never think of. Or maybe it was for a million reasons combined because God is able to think about things and arrange things so much more complexly than my mind is capable of. I don't pretend to know why, but I know that he did this. And what does this tell me? This tells me that Jesus valued women as his witnesses. And he told them to share what they knew with his disciples. They were actually the first witnesses to spread the good news of Jesus's resurrection. They were the first ones to see that. And they even were the ones who recognized and remembered that Jesus would rise again as he had told them he would. Jesus had actually told these women his game plan. He just as it's recorded at, at him telling the disciples before this point. And, you know, in the horror of the cross, a lot of them seem to forget or not believe that that would happen. And it clicks for them when the angel tells them and they remember the words of Jesus. And they are the witnesses who are going to share 
that Jesus was telling the truth. Jesus loved and valued women. He gave them important, non-trivial tasks to complete. Non-trivial. He didn't give them small and significant jobs. Their jobs were important. They were to be his witnesses to the most important events in history, his death and his resurrection. They were to go tell the disciples. They were the messengers. They were the witnesses. They were the ones who saw the whole truth before other people did. That's beautiful. I love that. All right, fourth point. Jesus is not bound by human conventions. What society thinks, what culture dictates, what the human rules say, do not now and will not ever bind or limit the work and the life of Jesus. God is all-powerful. He does not do things the way that humans do things. He does not think the way that humans think. His ways, his thoughts, his methods, the way he knits and organizes the world and its events and redemption is always going to look different than what humans think. And he always has a bigger plan beyond anything we can imagine. And I'm glad. If I was able to figure out God, what kind of God would that be? You know, that's what what my pastor always says. You know, if you're able to kind of figure out the answers to everything, if we have no questions for God, like how big is our God? All right, to summarize, the attributes of Mary, she pursued Jesus even when hope seemed lost. She did not let her fear stop her from being obedient. She worshiped Jesus, and she was the first witness to the resurrected Christ. Well, what about Jesus? What can we learn about him from her story? Jesus defeated death by rising. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus chose women as his first witnesses. And Jesus is not bound by human conventions, now or ever. Lord, thank you so much that your ways are not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts. You are so much bigger, grander, better, more incredible than we could ever imagine that we're capable of thinking. Thank you for your story of Mary. Thank you for everything that Jesus did for us on the cross. Thank you that he was resurrected, that death has been defeated, that we don't have to fear for our futures. You are with us and you love us. And I pray that we would experience your presence more and more as we continue on our journey with you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining. I'll chat with you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.